Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Well, as the uh, choir is coming down, uh, I'm going to get ready to uh, introduce, I want you to watch a video here in just a second uh, of uh, kind of a brief update of uh, things that have been going on in Uruguay, and certainly they have been uh, pummeled uh, with the uh, COVID and the pandemic, like many churches all around the world, and even here at Battlefield, uh, for that for that matter. And so, uh, very very thankful that the work of the ministry continues on. And I was sitting there thinking, some of you knew this, and some of you didn't. The goodness of God. All my life, God has been faithful to me. I pray that you could say that too. All my life, God has been faithful. Last week, um, I'm going to be really honest with you. I didn't know if I could preach last week. Last week, some of you didn't know, but when I opened up, I started uh, feeling like I was going to have to go to the hospital. I had cold, clammy sweats, and things were going on, and didn't know what was, what was taking place. And uh, long story short... Um, I was in the middle of passing a rather large kidney stone. And, uh, but God has always been faithful. And I was sharing with somebody how amazing is it that I was killed over in pain before the worship service started. When I walked in here in the choir, we sang praise his name forever. Praise him forever. And the pain started to subside. I got up here and preached, which many of you know would probably be one of my longer messages ever. <laughs> As I looked up at the clock, I was like, what has just happened? But in the reality of that entire message, I had not a pain whatsoever. We finished service. I went back to choir practice. By the way, some of y'all need to join the choir. Anyway, that's a short advertisement. Went back to choir practice and we started singing again. And about 10 minutes into that choir practice, the pain came back. And the rest of that afternoon, I'll be really transparent. I thought I, w I, I literally thought I was going to fall down on the way to the car out of this place. Everybody was gone. Um, I think uh, Stacy or the media team may have been upstairs. Uh, but I literally felt like I was going to fall down. Of course, my wife had already gone home. And uh, the reality is God was faithful. And uh, through a series of testings and, and whatnot, found out that I uh, still have a little baby kidney stone that wants to hang out. But I had passed the larger stone, and that was taking place on Sunday. God has been faithful. Amen. He will, he will see you through. Even the times when you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death, he will see you through. And that, remember last week I said some things that praise can do. And last week, praise, the Lord enabled to use that message of praise and use my heart of praise to see me through that difficult situation. And so I don't know what you're going through this morning. 
I would just encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep praising his holy name. This morning, I'm very honored to have our friends, the Alvarezes, here. And I know that you're going to be blessed by what you hear. I pray that you'll take the words of God to your heart, that you will seek what it is that the Lord wants for you today to remind you about the need that exists all around the world. But before Brother Esteban comes, we're going to watch this short video, and then you come ahead, brother. For the past four years, we have been experiencing God and ministry in Uruguay, one of the most secular, humanistic cultures in the world. We're joining with you, God, everything you're doing, your fire is in our hearts, burning for the no a la petición, sino a la oración en sí, en todo lo que conlleva la alabanza, la gratitud, la adoración y también la petición. Creados para tener una relación con Dios, pero para traerle gloria, para honrarle, para elevarle. Good morning. It is such an honor being back here. It's a joy. And are you guys having t-shirts for your next missions conference? So our boys, um, um, I should introduce myself. I'm Esteban Alvarez, by the way. <laughs> anyway, all the formalities. I feel like home, you know. I just want to talk, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. You guys have been a blessing to us. You know, there's an individual from this church that sends me a, a, a verse every day. And today, to, give, to have an opportunity to say, hey, thank you for doing that. Some of those verses have been at the right moment in my life. So that's the type of connection that you make with, with your missionaries. And we are thankful for that. So going back to the t-shirt thing. So I was a soccer player, soccer coach. Soccer was my life. I did not allow Greg to play soccer in my team when he was at Bible college. So... Um, God blindsided me with American football. 
because it's the fastest growing sport in Latin America. So our boys started to play flag. They kind of broke my heart because they left soccer for football, but I'm fine with it. And I am wearing this T-shirt that said, hope is what the world needs. How many of you are familiar with that T-shirt? This lady comes with her 19-year-old son, Aaron. We, he, um, he's into the spectrum. He has autism. And he feels like he cannot be included in anything in life. So he was very included in our flag team. He's our center. That's a really good job. And his mom looked at that shirt and she, she said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. He said, yeah, I read your T-shirt. I said, well, that's a T-shirt. You know, Pastor Greg sold it for 19.99 to me when I was last time in the mission conference. <laughs> I said, I got that T-shirt at a missions conference. And, and she said, you know, we are Christians too. We had not been attending church for years because they were hurt by the church. So if you pray, if you pray for Karina and Aaron, you know, they, they are the people that we, uh, they, that we work with, some of the people that we work with. Um, this morning we're going to be in, the, our text will be in Romans chapter 15. I'm talking about Apostle Paul in the minutes that we have. And my question to you this morning, do you have a call? Do you have a call? Um, there is a misconception that the only ones that need to witness and go... Uh, reach out to others, or pay staff at churches, right? Or Sunday school teachers, or, you know, or missionaries. That is a big misconception. We're going to see here the example of Paul. We are working in Uruguay, South America. If you're not, if you're not familiar with Uruguay, it is between Argentina and Brazil. It is a country of the size of Connecticut of three and a half million people. It is the only country that by constitution, the founding fathers of Uruguay said, we are not going to have anything, we are not going to be linked. Our government and education system is not going to be linked to the Catholic Church. So you fast forward to 2022 and we live in one of the most secular lost atheists, most of them are agnostic, not atheists, um, cultures in the world. So as I mentioned in the 9, 9 a.m. hour, um, a lot of Americans think that Latin America is all, the whole Latin America is Catholic. That's not, that's not necessarily the case. So Apostle Paul had a call, a particular call that was kind of out of the box because he goes to reach out to the Gentiles, right? What is a Gentile? It's someone that is not a Jewish. So if you are not Jewish this morning, you and I am a Gentile. So I praise God for calls, Paul, Paul's call in his life. So we go to the text. We're going to be in between verses 14 to 21. And the Word of God says this. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace of God given me by, by God, to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, Sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. 
by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, Jerusalem and all the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Now where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Father, this morning, we need of your presence in our hearts. We need to reconsider our walk. Someone maybe here is even wondering about what is about a relationship with God, with the true God. So we pray that your Holy Spirit will do his work, that we will be sensitive with an open heart and ears to what your word has for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to see four clear characteristics from Paul's ministry this morning. Number one is in verse 14. is Paul's awareness and confidence with the work of God among the believers in Rome. Paul's awareness of the work of God among the believers in Rome. You know, it's very easy to get used to go to church. It's very easy to enjoy praise and worship through music, which, by the way, thank you for, for singing biblically sound songs, which there are a lot of those phrases are coming from the Word of God. It's very easy to fall into the ministries. It's very easy to think of us, hey, we're doing a good job. But Paul here in verse 14 said, I am satisfied. He's writing to, he, this is a part of a letter. He's writing and he said, I am satisfied with you. Not because of how good they were. Because in verse 14 he said, you are full of goodness and knowledge and able to instruct one another. So th three things that we see in this first point. Number one is that we, the goodness. They have a testimony. They live in a community that they knew who they were. And we must do that. Because there are millions of people that have seen Christians. They are seeing the bad example of Christianity. And we have to work hard to maintain ourselves with a good testimony within our communities. The Roman believers were not just good people. They had a great testimony. And that's how we impact this world. If you talk to a Uruguayan individual, they, don't, they think the churches is all about the money that they want from you. And they're a bunch of hypocrites. And they'll tell you to your face. And you know that mindset has landed and he's camping in America as well. So our job is not to debate. Our job is not to argue with people. Our job is our, the greatest witness tool that we have is our own life. It's not just the Romans road. Because it's easy to quote verses. The hardest part is to live accordingly to what this book expects from us. The second say that he, they have knowledge. They're not talking about high IQs. The knowledge they have is of the word of God. They were doctrinally sound. They knew this book. I'll share this that I shared last night. I have a very close individual in my life that he told me, I might believe in a greater being, in God, but I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Are you prepared to have that type of conversation? Or when someone said, or, 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 or his wife said, I am to metaphysics. 
That means I create my own spirituality from my own, my inner circle. Are we prepared to have those type of conversations? You know what prepares us the best? It's not for me to Google what is metaphysics, which I did. <laughs> but I need to know more of this book. Yeah. And the Church of Rome was a church that they were, they were filled with goodness. They had a great testimony. Oops, sorry. And they knew the word of God. But then they have something that we are lacking in our churches, which is counseling. What are we talking about? We are not talking about the gift of counseling that some individuals have in their life. We are talking about the ability, because he says, and able to instruct one another. He's not telling them, hey, we're going to build a barn, and the older man tell the younger man, hey, we got to put the, you know, the wood like this and the foundation like No. They are talking about in real life situations, when a brother and sister in Christ is coming, when a friend at our church comes and shares something with us, and we apply the word of God into our conversation. That is counseling among believers. But we have made of counseling a profession. But what the word of God is expecting from us is to be filled with the knowledge of the scripture in a level that we can have real life conversations among the church members, among our family, but we always bring the word of God. It takes work. There is a vital dynamic here. It's powerful in this church of Rome. Because there is a solid community, the church, where there is service. They have a good testimony. They serve one another. They serve the community. There is sound doctrine, which is the gospel. And there is godly counseling among, among brothers and sisters in Christ. The second characteristic is Paul Paul's personal call to the Gentiles, verses 15 and 16. And he says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly by the way of reminder, because of the grace given, by, given me by God, to be a minister of, the God, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Although Paul writes an immense amount of topics in this, in this letter to the Rome, it will, you know, to go verse by verse, it, it takes a long time to learn from the book around everything that is there. But right here, he is pausing to tell us what God has put on his heart. His personal call. What are you called to do this morning? Is it to make money? You'll die or not taking anything with you to it is good to be successful and prosperous, but it cannot be your main goal. What is your goal? To just sit at a pew? There's a lot of things that we could be doing here at Battlefield, and the Lord could use your gift and talent. What is your call? You have not figured it out yet? Are you praying about it? It's never too late to ask God to show you what is your real call in your life. In, the, in Paul's case, he was to take the gospel to the Gentiles, which are the non-Jewish people. But then he says, that, he says something in this verse that I love. He said, to be a minister of Christ so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. There is a picture that I want to show you this morning. I think it's the next slide. There are two gentlemen there. Pastor Gabriel has the same haircut as I have. And there is one. Let me talk to you for a few minutes 
about what is the acceptable offering. Juan grew up in church. 36 years going to church. Sitting at that pew. Going through VBS. Through Awanas. Knows Bible verses. Good, hardworking guy. Has a beautiful family. And one Sunday, I'm playing the piano, so the, the praise man is there, and someone else preached that Sunday. So as soon as we're done with the music, we're praying, I'm going to the, to, like going to the, towards the foyer. And Emily said, you got to go talk to Juan. And he's broken. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, let's go. So Gustavo, another man from our church, and Juan, they, they, he's crying. He's sobbing. He's broken. He's with a... You, you, younger guys, you're going to look this on Google. Contrite heart. He's broken. And he's, we, we're going to our church office. He, we're sitting, the three of us. He cannot talk. He said, many times I repeated the prayer. And I never felt that I was saved. Like today. I need to be saved. To be saved. I am convinced that I had not been a Christian. 36 years. So Paul, what he's writing is saying this. I want to present a group of individuals. They go from eternal perdition. They go, you know, they, they, God changed them from their way to a painful eternity to salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's true salvation. Salvation is not a preacher that stands before you and says, repeat this and you'll be saved. I have an entire family that raised their hand and moved forward to the front of the church and repeated a prayer, and they are as lost as you can find them. And you know the amount of work that it takes to tell someone to, through, the Bible, through, Bible, through the Bible, tell someone, you know, the Bible is expecting you as a believer. So you, you might reconsider that decision. Maybe we need to check. It was something that was at a youth camp because everyone did it. It wasn't, it wasn't an emotional decision. So Juan got to that point, they became an acceptable offering to God, which is the point when you acknowledge that you're a sinner, you know you need forgiveness from God, you repent from those sins, and then you place your faith in Jesus as a Savior. That is the most dangerous demographic at our churches, are people that have grown up in church. Hearing it all along, all their lives. Thinking they may, maybe they made a decision, but it was something maybe there was a religious decision. So Paul said, I want to present something that is acceptable to God. You know, I consider Juan just a baby brother. And babies take work. And sometimes they give you headaches. <laughs> and I know younger parents, they are like, amen, and amen. <laughs> There's a lot of work. But it's the greatest work to help someone, as we as parents raise children, to help someone to grow in Christ. So then the third characteristic of Paul's call is that he had the right attitude towards ministry. He's a constant in Paul's expressions about himself are things like, I am, the, I am being the least, 
In one, one version said that he called himself untimely born. In one point he called himself a chief of sinners. Denoting a full awareness of his sinful past. Before his encounter with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, maybe you have been a good individual that you embrace God if you had not been involved on sins that left a, 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 a long-term mark in your life. I'm thankful for you, for you doing that. But I tell you what, there's nothing greater than restoration. And when we see David and we see Paul in the, in the work of God in their lives, we must take those, these events to, into our own life. That no matter what you did, God will restore your life. But when it comes to ministry, Paul also had a lot of credentials. And we live in a world that we put a lot of diplomas in our walls, right? And we have worked hard. But sometimes in churches and, in, 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 and even leaders, church leaders, take more pride on their role and their status that the world gives them than who allows them to get to that point. So in verse 17 says, in Christ Jesus, right in the beginning of the verse, then I have reasons to be proud of my work. What is he saying? This he's not being prideful himself. He said, "I am prideful of my work in Christ, and He's allowing Christ to, to get the glory. The effective life transformation He experienced at salvation made Him abandon everything who He thought everybody thought He was. This very eloquent, educated." religious person. He had a high status. But when he encountered Jesus, he, he understood what salvation is all about, that it's the work of God in an individual. He said, it's all about what God can do. I am limited. I am a sinner. So the first element of a right attitude is the recognition of who deserves the credit, who deserves the glory. Yes, we work hard for missions conference and for fest festivals or carnivals or whatever you call it. And we work hard to have a great youth ministry and music ministry. But God has to get the glory at all times. There is, I have in my desk, I have this little plaque. When I, we, we went to, to D.C. in and I love this phrase at that time, and maybe I'm maturing a little more now. The phrase said, there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, had that on his desk. I said, man, I'm going to be like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> no, I don't want that. When we give God the glory Maybe we can change this phrase to say there is no limit to what a church or a believer can do when God constantly gets the credit. And what if we then we ask about our church, our, when someone asks about Battlefield or our church vertical axis, hey, how's that church? The first thing we said usually in Christianity is like, man, we have great, we have great meals with the men. We have a great sports ministry. We have great ladies ministry. We have great music. Maybe it's a great environment. But what if I'm going to challenge you this morning? Let's start to answer with God. God is working. We learn from the word of God. God is at work. God is. If we start with that mindset, we will change this world. 
We need to get God back to where he's supposed to be. The number one in everything in our lives. So the first element of the right mindset towards ministry was the right attitude. Then you had the right, a constant godly testimony, which is a challenge. Verse, verse 18 said, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and in deed. How many of you during the pandemic had to work and had Zoom meetings? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you had funny situations through Zoom meetings? (laughs) We don't want to talk about it. So I had one. We were stuck here in Fort Worth, Texas, here in the States in Fort Worth, Texas. So I contacted several football coaches to have Zoom meetings to continue because the players are in confinement in Uruguay and everyone is confinement here. So at a Zoom call with a running back pastor now from from, uh, California, everybody shows up, over 60 people, and one guy said, man, that Esteban guy looks like a crook, man. He looks like a crook. Nobody said a word. I never met this guy before. I don't know who he is. He doesn't know who I am. First time I ever hear him speak. His background, it was dark. So I couldn't even see his face. My sons are part of this Zoom call. And I'm using a very mild adjective because he used stronger words. The president of the league at the time or well, the, head, the head defensive coach of our national team, he said, we're going to ban this player for life. And I said, no, we're not going to do that. So my friend that I mentioned is the same man that I mentioned last night. And I said, we're not going to do that. He said, yeah, but, but he was disrespectful to you. He should have never said those things, especially if he doesn't know who you are. And I said, if I preach on Sundays about God's forgiving me, I need to forgive him. And that started a chain of events that every single head coach from, from our clubs, which are only five, called me. And I spent, my wife and my kids know, I spent an entire Thursday morning, over four and a half hours, talking to each one of them. And I prayed, and I said, if, if I preach about forgiveness on Sunday, I'm going to forgive him. And they could not believe it. So he was not banned. The only thing I requested said, I want that young man to call me. And he texted me. He apologized through text. I said, no, we men don't do that. You need to call me. We'll have a conversation. And he was very embarrassed. It was a nonsense, something nonsense that he did being a young guy. And most of men, we have done those in our lives. And I said, you know, I'll forgive you. I said, because, you know, I'm a preacher. And I preach about forgiveness every Sunday. And God is expecting me to forgive you. Fast forward to that game, the, the game that we play against a club in Argentina. And these are American football, taco. And that's when my friend, there's a referee from Argentina that comes and he said, hey, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, I am. I am a Christian too. I believe in God too, which I still I yet don't know what that means, but we'll get there. So the defensive head coach 
when he had wanted to ban these younger men, they insulted me via Zoom. He said, man, these guys are legit. He said, they practice what they believe. It's the first time I see people that actually practice what I believe. He said, and, and I love these guys. And he started talking about our church and our events and stuff like that. So Felipe, which our oldest son was a referee as well, that game. And I were looking at, oh, let him talk. But what am I telling this story? Because there is an awful bad situations that involve Christians. And the world has seen that enough. And what Paul is saying here, in word and in deed, is that we need to walk the talk. You're not a Christian just on Sunday morning. And I know it might sound heavy for you this morning. And it's okay. Just a reminder. It's hard for me because the guy that didn't give me the friendliest face, so I had to work on smiling. <laughs> but the reality is, there's someone very close to you that thinks that every Christian is and they fill the blank. What if you and I would start acting and according with the word of God so they can see that in word and in deed and they can fill the blank with genuine, sincere, loving Christians in their life so they can get to know Jesus. So we have Paul, Paul's awareness and confidence with the work of God among the believers. We have Paul's personal call to the Gentiles. We have the right attitude towards ministry. And then I'll finish with a specific target, verse 20. And that's I make it my ambition. I'm reading for the, from the ESV version. I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. In other versions, he said, I made it my aim. How many hunters this morning here? Maybe we're in Virginia, we're more like a friend. One, one of these, maybe more. Oh. You aim. You don't go to, like, say hello to my little friend and you shoot with a machine gun, you know. No. Sometimes you have that arrow and that beautiful deer that you want so you can feed your family. And you have that trophy as well. And it's one chance, one shot, but you have that, you aim. And you said, he's there. And sometimes we get so distracted with life that we forget, that we neglect, and we don't understand the fact that God has placed us in a particular family, in a particular neighborhood, in a particular school environment, at a particular company, even when you don't like what you do, but there's people there that they might need to hear a gospel presentation they might need to see a true believer in Christ around them. And Paul said, I have made it my ambition, my aim, to go to people that have never heard the gospel. The biggest misconception in America when it comes to Christianity is that everyone has heard the gospel. I don't know how many churches are here, but I know in Lynchburg there are 400 churches. In Springfield, Missouri, there are more Chinese restaurants and churches than anywhere else in the world. And it's very easy for us to say, well, they had to go to church. Maybe we need to change lenses this morning. And have a lens that will look at an individual and say, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start talking to them. I'm going to try to be their best friends they can find in their life. 
and I'm going to pray that God will lead me to a spiritual-led conversation so we can talk about their salvation, if they know Jesus as a Savior or not. In our case, God, for some reason, chose us to chose us to send us to Uruguay. Many days I wonder why, and it's okay, because you can wonder. You cannot question God, but you can wonder. Um, and we have seen in front of our eyes a great shift in the U.S. when we come back. The U.S. feels a lot like Uruguay. When there are individuals that maybe spend 10, 15 years just going to church on Christmas, not even on Easter. Or people that rejected completely the gospel, they don't want to have anything to do with church. So guess what? You cannot wait until they come through these doors. You and I must go and be the best Christian we can possibly be to reach those individuals. And that's what Paul did. He said it was his ambition. He was passionate about it. So maybe this morning you have been wrestling with the fact that God is asking you to surrender to the mission field. Maybe you have put a bunch of excuses. The mission field doesn't have to be necessarily outside of the United States. There are, there are fields within the state that need, that need a church planter. There are cities, there are towns in America that need a, another church planter. Maybe God calls you to experience a cross-cultural life and ministry. You can talk about us. You, know, you can ask about how, how do we really live in Uruguay. It's very hard. We're two miles from the ocean. We don't have a jungle. If you're a city person, you can come join us. Whatever you got in your heart that you have been wrestling with, you just got to give it to the Lord 100%. Stop putting excuses. Is it easy? No. Is it possible? Yes. God continues to call people to get involved on a full-time basis. Maybe you have hair and it's grayer compared with mine. And you're putting the excuses, no, I'm done with my life. In the sense that I already have a career, I'm established. Be careful. As long as you breathe here on this earth, God wants you to fulfill that call for you as an individual. What are you wrestling with when it comes to your personal call? Maybe you're wrestling because God has placed you a particular individual in your heart and you have neglected that call. Or you, may, you took the easy route. I just send them a text when we have a special activity. I just send them a verse. I'm just sending this. And we have disconnected. You know, the Lord wants you to go and build relationship with the people around you. But you need to have that one in your life. That you will come into on, on your knees every morning, every night, and you will pray. And you say, Lord, I lead them, lead, help me to lead them to you. Maybe it's a broken relationship within your family. Because we all have unbelievers in our families. Maybe someone that is hard to love. I am very hard to love, to be loved. My prayer this morning is this. They may God find our churches. When I said ours, I'm not talking about the American church. I'm talking about the churches, the biblically sound churches around the globe. Just like the church in Rome. They will be having a great testimony, knowledge of, full knowledge of the gospel. They will exercise accountability. 
if I walk, if I walk down from this stage and I ask you, how's your prayer life? How is your Bible reading? Would you be offended? Some of you might be okay, but it might be challenging for others. When a brother in Christ, that is accountability. Make sure they were helping each other to walk in Christ. So let's have churches like that. Let's be the church like that. And maybe people, they will find ourselves with a heart that obeys the command to go and preach the gospel. Maybe here in Warrington, Virginia, whether it's here in Warrington, Virginia, or in Montevideo, Uruguay, we must continue to do our job. Are we coming out to, to a, a couple of very difficult years? Absolutely. But let's be encouraged. We sang about God's goodness and that his goodness is not going to stop. We have a book that will equip us to be this type of church like the church in Rome. We have it in printing and we have 37 versions in our devices. But we must have the desire, the willingness to get in the word. So then can we find our personal call. I hope you're encouraged this morning. Let's, with, our, with our eyes closed and we're going to bow our heads. You can stand up so you can rest from being sitting for this time. We're going to have a time of response. We enjoy I personally enjoy the music. I enjoy hearing you guys sing. So we experience worship through music and we experience a time diving very briefly in this passage. There's a lot more into it, which I encourage you to go and do a study on this passage. But also we need to have a time of response. And I'm going to ask the, I will be, and Pastor Greg and I will be the ones looking. So out of respect for one another, that you will close your eyes and start praying to the Lord. And looking at your spiritual mirror and saying, Lord, Am I fulfilling the call that you have for me in my life? Pastor Greg, if you want to come with me. Maybe you think you already done it, that you're done. But what if God surprises you with something else, something new? Maybe one of you, some of you will need to repent this morning. He said, before God, not before me, I'm a limited man. But before God, you, you, can, you can pray to him and say, Lord, I have not been faithful within the call that you have placed on my heart. Whether it is to reach your family or your neighbors or your co-workers, I have not been faithful. I need to repent this morning. Nobody's looking, out of respect. And if you want us to pray for you, I do not know everybody's name. I will just make a general prayer. Maybe by raising your hand, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be more faithful to the call that God has placed in my life. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Just being honest with God. Thank you. God bless you. We're not judging you. We're encouraging you this morning. Maybe, maybe some of you have a specific target that you need to start working on. Starting with prayer. When I was mentioning this about the target, do you have a person in your heart? Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I have someone in my life. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. 
The prayer needs to start, Lord, gives me wisdom. Gives me love. Allow me to be creative with the opportunities. We don't shove the gospel down anybody's throat. We just present Christ the Savior. Who else? There has to be more people. I don't know, I'm not pressuring you to do any, but I'm pretty sure you know an unbeliever that you can start working on it. Anybody else this morning? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Father, this morning we pray that we will be who your word of, is telling us to be. Walking with, being humble in our walk, being obedient to you, looking for witnessing opportunities. Say, Lord, I pray that you will strengthen my brothers and sisters. They have confessed to you that they need to be stronger, they need to be pursuing their call in a more clear and firm way. I'm thankful for them, for their honesty. Because we all have limitations. We fail you, Lord. Forgive us our sins. We need of you every day to continue in this world that needs to see good testimony. Christ's love through us and in us. Father, I pray for the individuals that had raised their hands saying, I have someone in my heart. Keep that burden for them active, ignited at all times. Guard them, Lord, from temptation, from situations they might, they might lose their testimony. Yeah. Give them wisdom. Give us, Lord, wisdom. We all have someone in our life that they need, yet need to be saved. And I pray this morning that if someone that is struggling with their relationship with Christ, they also, that they will also listen to your voice, that they will repent of their sins, confess that you are the Lord of their lives. You want us to do that as a public sign of our surrender to you. Thank you for your goodness as we sang this morning. And I pray that we will be transformed by your word every day. Thank you for what you're doing here at Battlefield. Allow people to understand that you are at work, like Paul recognized in the Church of Rome. But allow also teach us not to be complacent. They will serve you in sincerity and honesty and in faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.